Welcome to the Coyote Educator, a podcast dedicated to coyotes and coyote hunting, where we strive to help beginners, pros, and everyone in between. Now here's your host, Mr. Russell Brown. All right, guys. Well, we're back for a second episode with Mr. Tubby. Thanks for taking another call with me. No we're gonna problem. Go- yeah, well, I appreciate it again. Last time we were talking, we were talking about guys just starting out calling, you mm-hmm. know, what's the mistakes they make, right? Sure. And I had some time to think about, you know, we, t- we, we talked about some things. Probably one of the biggest advices would be is never try to beat a coyote's nose. Uh. That's, that is a game you will lose. Um, you could, you could, you could try to use cover sense on deer and you can maybe get a deer to like stomp his foot and stare and trying to figure out what that smell is. Mm-hmm. But that don't work with, that don't work with coyotes. They hit a brick wall when they smell something that doesn't belong there or they don't smell what doesn't belong there. You know, if they're expecting that they get downwind of the collar and they're expecting to smell a rabbit or at least a coyote that's killing the rabbit or something and they don't smell nothing, they go on, they go on high alert, you know, instead play your wind, you know, and use the wind to your advantage. A coyote normally pup distress is a little bit different. Vocals are a little bit different because they're not hunting. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a, for a, another coyote but they're not they're not hunting the coyotes hunt like a bird dog they get downwind of the prey source because at some point it may stop screaming but once they get his scent cone they've got it they'll follow that scent cone right to it okay so i used to use that to their detriment growing up in the midwest i used to call a lot of hedgerows it was the only form of cover big open farm country but they would have now nowadays they seem to bulldoze all that out so they can you know, get that extra few bushels of soybeans or corn or what have you. But anyway, long strips of woods, like a wind block, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe only, I don't know, 10, 15 yards wide, if that, sometimes five yards wide. But that was the only form of cover. That's where the coyotes were going to be in the day. I'd park on the very end of it. If the wind's blowing from left to right, I would park on kind of the left side of it. Mm -hmm. Because I know that if there's any coyotes going to be coming down it or are in it, they're going to come to the right side because they're going to all naturally want to go to the downwind of that rabbit. I'd hike up into that fence row, maybe, I don't know, 50, 100 yards or whatever to the truck's hidden. And, uh, and I'd sit on the very right edge and I'd call. And those coyotes would come running, running right down that fence line. And then when they get to that magic, let's say 100 yards, 50 yards, somewhere in there, of the sound source, they'd break out into the field on the, to get to the downwind, and you got them. They're in the wide open. You don't have, you're not shooting through trees. They're in the wide open. All you got to do is get them to stop before they get directly downwind of the sound source. Yeah, before they hit, and uh, before they hit the sound exactly, source. Yeah. exactly. So mm-hmm. you know, use it to their you know to their detriment. If they're if eighty percent of the coyotes are going to get downwind of the sound instead of run right to the caller, because you'll have those. You'll have some that are so so triggered that they're going to run right to it um but i'd say at least 80 percent are going to go to the downwind side of it and the wind speed will dictate the distance you know if it's just a very little bit of wind it may only be 20 yards downwind of it if it's a 25 mile per hour wind they may be 100 yards downwind of it sure um but you just use that to your advantage and set up your stands you know speaking of that here's another here's another a bit of advice a lot of guys overthink their stand setups. 
it takes me three seconds to make, set up a stand. Okay. It used to not be that way. I look at, you know, and I don't know how other people look at stands, but I look at it as a stage. Okay, where do I start out with? Where do I want to kill a coyote? Ooh, I want to kill him right there. It's open. The grass is short. You know, I can see. That's where I want to kill him. How do I get him there? Okay, the wind is blowing from right to left. I'm going to put my collar at about two o'clock so that it's downwind. Is it right in the middle of that spot that I want that I'm calling my stage? Okay, I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit at a crosswind of that. And then I just start calling. But it takes about three seconds for me to make up my mind. Sometimes it's while I'm driving, I look over and see a spot and boom, it's that's that's where we're going to set up. Or, or while I'm hiking in, that's what's in my head is look for a stage, look for a stage. You know, where do you want to? And you can you kind of picture it. You know, you're like, this is a perfect picture. You know, I can see a coyote getting killed there. Yeah. And go with your gut, go with your gut instinct. Picture perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call that, a lot of picks perfect blank stands too. <laughs> oh, yeah, we all do. You know, that, and that's something that I I feel like that you develop over time. Yeah, yeah the, you just the, don't the, want to spend too much time overthinking a stand and say, okay, well maybe here, and then walk over here, or oh, maybe here, because you're putting out so much scent, scent and noise. Yes, sir. Okay, well that's uh, so great. that was a, that's a piece that I forgot from the last time we had a call. Okay, great. Well, thank you for sharing that. That, that should help some guys out. Let's move on. And uh, so, if you could only have one sound from me for the rest of your life to call in, cut, <laughs> what would it be? And I know that's a, that's a tough one. So, I mean, if you if you could really only pick one, Denrag. Denrag. Okay. Yep. Denrag. I thought, I thought you might go rabbit on that one, but uh, I was. Yeah, it used to be before that. It used to be cottontail candy. Simple. Okay. You know, uh, that 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 sound has produced so many. You know, of course, I per, I, I play a lot of other rabbit now. You know, Cause just because when you come up with new stuff, you, but that produced so many coyotes for me. That was my safety net. But no, Den Raid has saved my bacon so many stands where you call in a blank. You're know, like, well, I guess I'll put on Den Raid. You put on Den Raid. You know, if I have a decoy dog, they jump up to their feet looking for coyotes. They've already been sleeping next to me prior to that. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you may call a stand for 15 minutes and nothing. I'll play Den Raid. I'll look to the left. I'll look to the right. And there's a guy who's standing right there next to the caller. Like, where in the hell do you come from? Yeah. You know, he couldn't have come from far. You know, it's just, there's something about that sound has just, it just produces chaos and it produces them 12 months a year. If yeah. I had only one sound, I think that's what it'd be. Yeah. I, you know, I, I could see that. I, I mentioned it on one of my other episodes, but I, you know, I, I, the last like three, four years, I've kept pretty close records of everything. And I've actually, I, de- I determined that I've actually used Denray to kill coyotes in every month of the year, except for June. Mm. And, I, and, that, and that's partly because I don't, I don't call much in June. Usually we're out of town and stuff, and, but I've, you know, I've done it in July in Montana. I mean, it, it's worked in multiple States all times of the year. So, yeah. I'm, so I'm with you on that. So let's, let's widen that out just a little bit. How about, Cotton team. how about three, how about three sounds? Say. Cotton teen, cotton teen, yeah, den raid, cotton teen, and let's say cottontail crazy. Hmm. Okay. Um, cotton teen, cotton teen is a, an, an oversized. It was like a half grown rabbit that that I ran across whenever, not literally ran across, but I came across him uh, when I was mowing grass and I caught him, and it was like a almost the size of an adult, but he still was a baby. So he, it's like a loud, loud baby cottontail. So he still had that baby cottontail kit, you know, where's a, where's a cottontail that you catch him, they, you know, real high pitch. We yeah, sure. But the baby cottontail's got that, meow, 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 
you know, just real. So he had that cadence of a baby cottontail, you know, but but it wasn't the, the cadence of a mature cottontail. I start a lot of stands with that sound. I've killed a lot of coyotes on that sound alone. Cottontail. Cottontail crazy. There's something about, you know, and, and it's, it's as it didn't get as popular as cottontail candy. Um, it came out about the same time, but mm-hmm. there's something about that. It can really like cut the wind and distance. It really has a far reaching capabilities to it. You know, we've had phenomenal nights where, you know, uh, what I'm calling, you know, thermal hunting and uh, guiding people. And uh, I mean, we killed 18 coyotes one night and that's the only sound we play because it didn't work. Next stand, two, three coyotes from two, three directions. Next stand, two, three coyotes from two, three directions. Boom, 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 boom. Hmm. Okay. You know, and if something works, don't don't change it. Just keep on doing it. You know, if you want to stack up numbers until it quits working, then, well, go dig into my bag of tricks and see what else is, you know, it's like a fishing lure. I got a favorite, I got a favorite fishing lure, split Rapala. It just works for me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Go, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Exactly. Cottontail crazy, cottontain, and my favorite, Denray. And Denray, yeah. Good old Denray. Yeah, those, yeah, if you could only go calling, those would be, and only pick three sounds, those are the sounds I'd pick, and it doesn't matter what state I'm going hunting. Very good to know. I, I'm not sure that I have cottontain. I'll have to take a look. I, I have a lot of your, I have a lot of different sounds, but I'm not sure if I have that one. I'll have to take a look-see. Well, let me know. I'll send you a copy. Sure. Yeah. I, uh. I look forward to trying it. I, you know, I, I have a bajillion rabbit sounds, but you know, I'm always looking for new ones. Okay. So, so more, a little more about calling and this is a, I, I've kind of seen people go both ways. So when you're actually like playing the sounds on an e-caller, do you play them pretty steadily or do you, you know, play for a minute or two and then, and then give pauses? <clears throat> yeah. I've experimented. I, I, I've experimented with that over the years. Um, I play, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loud aggressive continual caller um i want to be able to i want to be able to trigger a coyote and i don't want him to slow down i want him to run all the way up to the caller and i and i saw that when back when i was a hand caller we were in nebraska calling in sandhills and um they have shelter belts which is kind of like those fence rows i was talking about sure same same Um, concept yeah same concept and only form of cover and it was so freaking cold there and uh so there was a series of shelter belts. Well, there's one was probably a good, I don't know, half mile away. And I'm call hand calling as loud as I can. And I could see a coyote coming from that shelter belt running, tripping over himself, running so fast, you know? So I'd pause, you know, and he's, he's still running, but not as fast. I'd start, I'd get on that collar and blow and here he would kick it into a newer gear. And the more aggressive, so I was like, well, I got plenty of time. This coyote's obviously on the hook i got time to see what works so i I would just get stupid crazy on the collar you know and uh, to be really aggressive and 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 the harder i would blow the faster he would run you know yeah so i kind of changed my calling style to be more of a continual caller because i don't want him to get distracted or give up or you know if you've got him on the hook i want to reel him in just lose interest. Yeah. And, and that in combination with watching how, um, you know, that stand I was talking about on, on our prior conversation about where uh, there were 11 coyotes and mm-hmm. got a real good chance to see how reactionary they are, you know. I don't know. I just, I quit thinking like a human, start thinking more like a coyote. 
at that point. Yeah, I, I have a very similar style. You know, I feel like they have to have that that stimulation. And the way I, the, also the way I look at it is, you know, one think about it. One way that guys make them stop, they mute the call. Yeah. So, so by that logic, if they're coming but I'm not seeing them yet, and I mute the call, what are they going to do? Stop. Yeah, they go stop out there, six hundred yards away. Yeah, yep. where I where I never even see them, and then they might and they might pick up the chase again after I start again, or they might not. You know, so mm-hmm. to me, to me, I yeah, I'm pretty much continuous. And if I change sounds, I mean, I'll give it like maybe ten seconds, if that. Kind of like when I used to hand call, but I would only pause long enough to catch my breath. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. And, and what I always tell guys is that you know, and, and that's just that's my style. That's what I like. I produce hard charging coyotes because that's what I like. Hard charging coyotes get my goat, but they're not the easiest coyotes to kill. The ones that come sneaking in are the easy ones to kill because they stop thirty seven different times for you, you know, with with a chance to shoot them. Whereas a hard charger doesn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. but. I don't get excited about those kind of coyotes that come sneaking in. I want to absolutely trick them and they want to be the first one on the scene so they can grab that rabbit, you know, before anybody else does. And that's, that's a, that's the joy of calling. If they die, they die. I could care less, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but to, to trick them into thinking that there's a coyote, a rabbit there and, and they tripping over themselves and tripping over the collar to get to it. That's the whole joy of being a predator caller. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I tell people all the time, it's, it's, you know, tri- tricking them is the the best part, you know, like you're, I always, I always think about it like the, you know, they're out there living, surviving every day. And I'm just some, I'm just some guy going out there and just tricking them in their natural environment is. Yeah. I always look at predator calling is, is coyotes and like say ravens and crows and stuff. They live by chaos, something mm-hmm. chaotic, something, something chaotic happening. They're going to come check it out. So to me, when I'm out calling, I'm creating that one perfect chaotic moment and then trying to kill whatever's coming in to cash in on it. So I don't mind creating some freaking chaos. And when I leave that stand, I leave everything on the, everything's on the table. You know, there was a, not only a baby cottontail, you know, getting murdered, but there was a jackrabbit getting murdered all the way to a badass coyote by every uh, two packs of coyotes got an enormous fight, you know. Oh yeah, laid on light. It's pure chaos. Yeah, and I think that's where those fight sounds excel. You know, for me, it's just that chaos. You know, they for whatever reason, and sometimes I don't know. Like, are they coming in to to join the fight or just see what's going on? Or yeah, like, I don't know. Who knows? As long as they come in, right? You yeah. know, like like you know, like I've got a kennel full of dogs. You know, I got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of coyote decoy dogs. You know, when there's a fight going on in one pen. It is sounds like World War Three out there, chaos and all the others barking and all. They get worked up into a frenzy. That's what you're trying to do with coyotes. Mm-hmm. Get them worked up and to react. Yes, sir. Because, like you said, they are reactionary. You just had a litter of pups, right? Uh yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know that that time that my wife and I were out there and we hunted in Texas, and uh, you offered me one of your dogs, and mm-hmm. and I just I wasn't really. You weren't prepared at the time. Yeah, I just wasn't prepared. And I was, you know, she still gives me crap about that like all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Russ, is, is Russ and Navy ready for a puppy? I don't know. I I was definitely in the doghouse, though, for that one. I do not breed my dogs for profit. You know, a lot of guys will want to breed their dogs and then sell puppies for like $1,200. That is not 
part of my business plan. I breed dogs because A, I need replacements. B, I need to continue and 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 fine tune my breeding program that I've been doing for a long time. And then three, I would much rather see a dog to go to a great home and get used as a working hunting dog than it is to sell a dog for 300 bucks any day of the week. You know what I mean? I don't do it for money. Sure. I do it to create great companions. Yeah. So I would be more than happy to fulfill my promise. Yeah. Well, I'll have to talk to her about it. All right. So that, then, then you're going to want to take it hunt. And she's like, no, that's our baby. I know. It right. That, nails done. That's what I, that's what I'm a little worried about, but all right. So moving on, um, uh, the way that I wrote this, this question is just kind of my, uh, my sense of humor, but tell me everything in the world about vocals across the different seasons. Maybe you can just get <laughs> or, or you can just give me a couple of bullet points on each. Gotcha. I, I, I would say honest. I mean, for me, uh, vocals is probably one of my weakest areas. Just in, as, in, as is most, as is most predator hunters. Simple as that, you know, and I stumbled along my way and you know, I used to build my own corn, cow horn howlers, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, intimidate to blow it and scare you know i'm gonna ruin this damn before it even starts you know kind of a deal you know um a lot of trial and error when it comes to howling all right so my howling career started as on a cowhorn howler locating coyotes Mm -hmm. we would you know when i used to live in the midwest we'd go calling on saturday and sunday mornings religiously throughout the winter and back you know because we worked a normal nine to five job during the or eight to five job during the week and we'd call to about noon and then we were out of land and that's about the time that's about the time the wives were you know wanting us home anyway um so we'd go calling every saturday and sunday morning so on friday night me and my buddy would go drive around and locate how you know and then call on go the next morning well a couple of things one we may get a group of coyotes to answer and we're like, oh, yeah, that's our land. That's perfect. We'll, hit, we'll go there first tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Well, then then we go there and maybe going out, maybe we're half an hour early or something. So we'll locate Howell again. And there are five properties over. <laughs> like, well, shit, that didn't do us no good, did it? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, think, I think the big thing about locate Howell was – it's more of a confidence booster for yourself that yes, there are coyotes here. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily locate how anymore, except for maybe to show a client that, Hey, as promised, I've got you in an area that's got a shitload of coyotes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now it's up to the coyotes that they're going to respond to their calls. Um, so, uh, you know, that's how I started how locating in that. And then I started, mixing in uh howling on the stands and finally figured out you know that come you know as a predator call you could do pretty damn good on a rabbit in october november december january mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you hit a brick wall and what used to work doesn't work no more and you're like what the hell you know i'm not over calling these areas i mean da, 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 da. well yeah, I mean, I'm talking about you're on a stand, let's say, first week of February, you're on a stand and you're calling for 15 minutes of jackrabbit or cottontail and nothing's happening. And they all say you let out a howl and a coyote shows up. You're like, oh. <laughs> so it's about the first of February. Usually, you know, I'll start doing it when we start seeing coyotes killed that or 
uh, females in heat, you know, but it seems like magically that first of February seems to happen where the rabbit stops working. So now you got to use vocals. And uh, so I'm a big fan of using pear howls. I produce a lot of pear howls because that's what I use. Uh, sound like a pear to a breeding pair of coyotes, either a male who's looking for, a, you know, looking for a mate or a pair of coyotes that already met up. And now this is our area. Get the hell out of here. Pear howls seems to really trigger coyotes for me. Okay. Even back, go on. Would you say trigger them to to howl back or trigger them to come in? Both. Both. Okay. Even back when we were locate howling back, you know, like in Illinois or Iowa, um, I would get out, you know, on those Friday nights and I'd call, you know, on my cow horn howler, you know, and nothing and do it again and nothing. And then I tell my buddy who's sitting in the truck listening, get out and get on your caller. Well, he was a little intimidated, you know, because I was a custom call builder and I was pretty decent on a holler, and but he was in, intimidated to blow a holler in front of me. I <laughs> said, "Just you howl, and I'll just start. I'll join in with you, you know, and I'll start doing all the yipping and chatter and all that, you know, a little higher level stuff." Sure. So he would howl, and then I'd howl, and I'd join in with him. Boom, Kyle's would respond. You know, they'd, they'd howl back, and you know, I would get let's say ten times more responses than I would as a single call. That's why I don't use a lot and I don't produce a lot of loan howls because they just weren't working for me. Pairs or even groups like trios or, or, or a foursome seem to get much better vocal responses when you're locating. Some So come breeding season, I do a lot of howling and then I do a lot of coyote bite sounds. Okay, so breeding season being like January-ish? Yeah, January, February. Okay. So tell me, uh, I mean, this, heck, this is for my own uh, knowledge but uh, and the listeners, but what would be like your top, say, four pair howls? Jack and Jill, perfect pair. I'm just thinking of what's on my favorites. <laughs> I store my favorites, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Jack and, Jack and Jill, um, uh, perfect pair. Um, let me think. You have uh, like Tina and Ike? Tina and Ike. Yeah. I've seen you mention that's that. That's my number. I went brain dead about that one. That's my number one. Okay. Yeah, I've seen you mention it yeah. a, a number of times. Yeah, Tina, Tina Ike, Jack and Jill, uh, perfect pair, um, yipping pair, you know, they all have a different, you know, a different mood, a different cadence to them. Um, even when I want to get into trios, I use uh, Teen Spirit. Okay. Three young coyotes yipping and howling. Okay. Um, I don't know. Those, yeah, those, those work really good for me. That'd be a real good you know, start. And, yeah, and 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 in during breeding season, and even in the springtime during denning season, um, I'll start stands with that, and that may be that's what the cows come in on, you know. And and some years are different, but you know, I mean, there's I remember other years like in May and that where ninety percent of the coyotes we called in was with the howl before we ever got to the pup distress. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at those. I'll, I'll have to. I'll go back and see what I got on those. Because yeah, and then summertime, you know, um, you know, I'll start howling. I'll start using howls primarily and drop the rabbit distress about February, and I'll continue to do nothing but howls and coyote fights and pup distress all the way until until um, around October first. 
Okay. I'll do nothing but nothing but Volkland all summer long. Couple of reasons. One, that's what works. Two, I don't want to call in pups because I don't want to kill pups. Okay. Because I'm in the guiding business. I want them fresh, dumb, naive, and healthy come October first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. But you could call it a whole group of pups on, on vocals too, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're well, they're curious, I think. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, there's a family unit, you oh, know, kind of a deal. Let's go check that out. And... I called it a pup distress in September one year, and this pup was halfway to my knee. And you know me, I'm a short guy. He's a little bitty pup, and he come in wagging his tail happy go lucky um to a to a pup distress sound. You know, and he's wagging his tail. And of course, my client shoots him because he was there to kill coyotes. Sure. And um, and it, it popped like a jackrabbit. It had a cantaloupe-sized wad of grasshoppers in its stomach. That's all it's been eating was grasshoppers mm. all summer long. Yeah. Um, but but my thought pattern or my logic to that was coyote pup distress is coy- you know could sound just like coyote pups fighting. And what are they going to fight is when mom brings him something to eat. It was like ringing a ding dinner bell to him. And he was coming in. And like I said, he was happy about it. His tail was wagging just like he came home and your dog hadn't seen you all day. Thought he was going to get on, uh, get some scraps, get, uh, get, mm-hmm. some of the, get some of the leftovers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for uh, sharing about vocals. Like I said, that's definitely my, probably my weakest area as far as calling yeah. goes. So, so I'll, I'm going to, Check that out and give some of those a try come January. Yeah, and and it's and when it comes to vocals, what I've learned is don't overthink it. Just like anything else, you know, it's like it's not that big of a deal. You want to you're you're on a stand and you're like, I want to sound like a pair of coyotes. Then sound like a pair of coyotes. You know, pick any of you know. I got a plethora of of pair house. You know, just sound like a pair of coyotes. You know. And that may be what trips a whole group into being like, oh, hell no, get out of our turf kind of yeah, deal. They get a little. So it's like, the, yeah. And I mean, the Lone House, the Lone House, what I've come to see over the years is it's almost like they would tolerate a single coyote passing through, but they damn sure won't. And I think it may be because my, the pair house I use are Yip Holland and Yip Holland, they're all happy go lucky, like claiming this is our territory. And they're just not going to stand for that, you know, especially during breeding season or denning season, you know, they're not going to stand for somebody else saying, oh, I think this is our apartment now, you know. Do you think it might be kind of like a, it makes me think of like a bar fight. I'm too old for all that nonsense now, but, you know, if, if your buddies, if your buddies just jawing back and forth with somebody, you know, you might just kind of stand back and watch. But, you know, when somebody else is kind of teaming up on your buddy, you're probably going to want to. Got, yeah, when two people jump up. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. All of a sudden, you know, you're thinking, oh, I should probably, you know, get into the middle of this and mm-hmm. do whatever. Yeah, that's a, you know? that's a great know. analogy. That's just what it makes me think of. So let me ask you real quick, um, and then we'll move on. So the pair house, January-ish, and then... How long do you let them play? I mean, do you run them for like 30 seconds and then sit for five minutes? Or how do, how do you do that? Um, yeah. We, yeah. This, this goes back to what I was talking about, you know, um, on, on our last time we talked was uh, breeding season's a patience game, you know. Um, that's when I'll start putting pauses in, you know. Um, I'll, I, may, I may howl for, you know, most of my recordings are like a minute, minute and a half long. 
I'll let it run through a whole series, you know, and you could hear how, how the yipping and howling tapers down, you know, and then go ahead and stop it. And I'll sit there for a minute and let everything quiet back down again. Um, you know, and then scanning because a lot of times resident council, that's when they're coming in, you know. And then after that, then you then you focus on, you know, maybe play a little bit of rabbit or something or, or a little pup stress or, you know, I've got a thing. I got a sound called white bite, just a little little pair of coyotes getting in a light, uh, small fight, you know, not a, not an ass whooping fight, more of a dominance fight. Um, you know, and I'll play that and then pause, you know, it's just a little more patience game there. I'm more of a finesse, you know, and then I'll finish, of course, you know, with chaos, but that actually made me, makes me think of something, um, that I thought of the other day, because I was kind of skimming through sounds that I have and, and I thought that you have a lot of sounds that are, that are that chaos and the fighting and the mm-hmm. and I kind of thought you know what Tony should do he should put like a uh, like a scale on that like say oh, that's a great idea you know say say like I mean just give it you know give everything a, a number you know like, like maybe maybe light fight is like a one or a two well maybe den rate maybe den rate's like a ten or a nine I don't know. actually when we came out with the new. Um, Night Stalker, the uh, Icotech Night Stalker and Outlaw Plus series callers. Sure, they have they they have categories on them now. So super simple. You just create a new folder, you know, on the SD card and copy sounds into it. So my TT edition um, is set up how my personal caller is. Is I'll have you know Coyote House single, Coyote House pairs, Coyote House uh, groups, light fights heavy fights you know i broke that that delineation up i just need to probably also do that within on my website but uh, but yeah when i sent out those callers i i done that pup distresses are different than coyote fights which is different the light fights are different than heavy fights okay but yeah that's a good point kind of show a kind of show an intensity maybe do it with chili peppers okay yeah 10 chili peppers being a, a hard fight a strong yeah chaotic fight that's a great idea. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's something I thought of, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't know if you would be able to go back and do that with all your sounds, but I don't know. Just because, I mean, Den Raid would probably what, like a 10? Um, yeah, Den Raid's pretty high up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Den Raid, Border Den Raid, Border Wars, uh, uh, Mayhem, you know. Yeah. And, of course, you know, there's always a quest. Like, well, you know, I just I just came out with a new one called uh, Coyote KO, you know, for Knockout. You okay. Know? Yeah, yeah. But it's always a quest to come up with, you know, okay, how, how far can you push the envelope on Chaos? And that's actually something I that has, I love Den Raid, as you know, but sometimes I feel like when I go there, like, that's it. Like, they're, you know, there's, like, I have, oh, I yeah. have. That's that's the final gear. I have nothing else. Like, there's been a couple of times where I wish I had something a little stronger to bring one back. You know, maybe I call it. Maybe two come in a den raid and I shoot one. Switch yeah. to border war or mayhem. I've got customer after customer after customer. So you know, sent me pictures and then said call call in a call in these three to to a den raid. Killed the first one. The other two took off. Switched over to border war. Got them two in. Killed both of them. Hmm. Okay. I got endless stories like that. Okay, we'll get it. Yeah, just the opposite. Just the opposite of that. A couple of years ago, I came out with what I call my finesse series. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've got a couple of properties here that, for whatever reason, those coyotes take finesse. You know, you can't go in there kicking the kicking the bar door open with them. So, you know, I've got I've got 
rabbit distress, uh, bird distress, coyote howling, coyote fights. Everything is all based on finesse. And it's that whole, just a, and then long pause. And then, and a long pause again. You know, just that, for whatever reason, those properties, you got to, you got to do finesse to even get a coyote called up there. Okay. You know, so so I, I got the other end of the spectrum too, you know, which was hard for me, you know, but I came up with that whole series of sound selfishly for myself because I've got situations and I'm sure other people have it too, where, you know, you can't go in there and just start blaring cocktail yeah. or jackrabbit or something because they're going to just not respond or they're going to take off one or the other. Can't come in blowing the doors off, huh? Yeah. And that's, and that's me, you know, I'm a, I'm a level, you know, I'm a level 10 caller in volume and chaos. <laughs> then you got to dial it back to like a four. <laughs> yeah. Which is, tra- which is hard to do when you're used to Going doing hard. something a certain way. Yeah. But you got to adapt. Right. That, uh, that just made me think of one question. Um, uh, and this is another area that I, this season I'm going to try a little harder. Um, I never use a lot of bird sounds. I have a friend that has really good luck with it though. So what would you say? Like, <laughs> What would you say some of your best bird sounds would be? All right, well, let me tell you the bird sound story. Okay. okay shoot. So I had a guy, a local guy. One of the things I don't do is I don't guide locals. Okay. And it pissed a lot of people off here, but I just don't do it because, you know, if you're guy, everyone I guide is out of state. Um, if you're from my hometown and I guide you and you're like, wow, this is fun. The next weekend, him and his buddies on your ranch hunting, you know? So I just don't guide locals. But I had a guy who, there's two down, two towns south of me called me one time and said, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like going to guide and hunt, da 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 had a very specific date, da 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 And I said, well, I don't guide locals, I'm sorry. And he said, well, what if I already have the land? I'm like, okay, that's different. Yeah, different story. Yeah, okay, well, I may be able to do that. Well, once we got to talking, he, it was a coyote calling contest. He was hiring me as a ringer to be his partner. Because his buddy had put that contest on for 12 years and won it every year. And he's tired of his buddy winning it, taking all their money. I said, okay, I'll, you know, my daily rate's the same as, as a, any other guy to hunt. And if we happen to do any good, we're going to split the pot. And he said, oh, that sounds good to me. So anyway, he had the land. We went down. I went down on a Thursday. We went and scouted the land. We set up the stands, marked them on the GPS. And we had a whole day's worth of calling because it was from, I don't know, I think it ended at five o'clock. It was from sunrise to five in the evening. And uh, we went down there playing cocktail candy, you know, and kicked their ass on coyotes. Every stand we produced a coyote um, and we killed 12 coyotes by five o'clock. And uh, so we won that contest, went to check in. His, His buddy was in first place with seven coyotes. And we ended up rolling in with 12 coyotes, plus we got big dog, plus we got little dog, took all their money, $3,280 or something like that. That was where, that was a gamble that paid off. Well, he called, he called or said, hey, there's another contest next month. You want to get in on it? And I said, yeah, don't touch that property you were on. We'll just call the same freaking stands, you know, maybe in reverse order. Who knows? But. We already scouted it out. We already got the best stands on those properties. You know, a place never gets called. So that's what we did. We went five blank stands in a row. I'm like, what the heck? Man, there's something wrong. And there's still coyote sign everywhere, you know, and everything. Yeah. So I, so uh, 
I so on this one stand, I said, I said, this is something wrong, you know. And at that time, I didn't have any good bird distresses in my in my collection of sounds that I produced because I wasn't a bird sound producing guy, mm-hmm. you know. I, I just didn't use them. So I said, you still? I said, you still got your fox fur with you? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, on this stand here, I said, we're leaving my collar. We're, we're going to use your fox fur. I won't play nutty nut hatch. Boom, call in a triple. Next stand, boom, call in a pair. We ended up killing 10 coyotes that day, you know, the, after five blank stands mm-hmm. and doing nothing but nutty nut hatch. For whatever reason, rabbit wasn't working that day. You know, none of my coyote fights or nothing. The only thing that was working was a freaking rat, uh, bird. You know, so after that, then I started focusing on producing some bird sounds to have in my library. And so, you know, I'm not a big bird distress player, but there's some days that it's the only sound that works. Okay, so my favorite sounds that I produce, squealing bird. Um, squealing bird? bird uh-huh. Squealing, TT squealing bird. Okay. Bird, bo- bird box, named after that. The movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Squealing bird, bird box, and then, um, oh. One. I don't know. I think I I don't have a oh you know what? This one. Chicky chick. Yeah, it's a freaking chick, you know, because I used to have have incubators and I used to raise chickens and that. Mm-hmm. It's you know, and I've tried quail and I've produced some quail distress sounds, but this little chicken chick just keep, 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 keep. You know, when I produced that sound um and was in the middle of editing, I took it out that night and uh I called five stands and called multiple coyotes on every single stand back behind my house in the pasture. So I'm like, well, hell, this sound works. And uh, so, yeah, I'd say those three are probably my favorite ones. Okay, great. Well, I will check those out as well. I'm going to burn it on my credit card the next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, it's it's fine, man. I, I, I think of it as uh, I'm pretty, you know, I live a pretty simple life. I try to, you know, but I'm a millionaire when it comes to this, <laughs> you know. Like when I found that helicopter uh, outfit, Uh you know, know, that offered uh, coyote only hunts. Mm -hmm. Boom. Like in in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I just called the guy, whipped out the old credit card and paid for it and booked the flight. And that was. You only live once. Yeah. You know. And and no guarantee. You may die tomorrow. You know what I mean? And that can happen to anyone. You might get struck by lightning or an ice chunk falls off a a plane wing. Who knows? Yeah, you know, you really never know. So, like I said, I don't, I don't uh, hesitate to spend money on this. I kind of, sometimes I wonder how how many th- tens of thousands of dollars I've spent on this hobby. <laughs> so, you know, my guys have spent that much. You know, my guys spent that much in just beer that they pissed off the next day. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So. Well, I got a, a couple other ones for you. Um, do you use any kind of like mapping apps or other technology, anything like that? Yeah, I, I use Onyx. Okay. Um, Onyx is good, really good um, to see the, you know, especially the level of detail of uh, private private land versus public land. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good at that. I don't mark a lot of stands. I I I, I started doing that when I first got it, but um, but I just don't. I just know, you know, my my wife can go through our town and if there's a yard sale somewhere she could find it so easily because she knows every damn road i don't know anything i only i only know a handful of street names in our town she knows every street name yeah i could go out in a pasture 
and I could almost drive with my eyes closed. I could tell you every single little dirt road, you know, on, on all my pastors and I've got a bunch of them, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So, so I already kind of know where my stands are going to be. I've got, I know how I'm going to get there. And if that road's muddy, I know how, an alternate way to get there, that kind of a thing. Um, and I, I just don't really mess with marking my locations on the software, but I do use the software. Yeah. And I, and I'm the same way. I mean, I have a lot of stands and I, it's weird, you know, I, I have a, I said I'm a millionaire when it comes to coyote hunting, but I also have a really good, I also have a really good memory when it comes to it. You know, I couldn't tell you what I did last Wednesday, but I, but I, <laughs> but I could tell you about a coyote stand that happened 10 years ago. <laughs> it's yeah. a matter of priorities. Yeah. That's, that's no joke. So, so I don't use it like a lot, like day, you know, if I'm just out, but I use it a lot to like, look for new spots, look for public land, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I use, I use Google maps in conjunction with Onyx. I'm actually thinking about getting a hold of Onyx and telling them make, because I feel, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like they've added so much stuff to it now. Mm. I, I don't know. Have you ever feel like that? Have you used it lately? And I mean, there's like wildfires on there and just all kinds of stuff. And I'm no, like, oh. see, I don't get that. I, I live in oh. a boring part. Of, I live oh. in a boring part of the country. I don't, I don't, I never see anything like that. It's just, I don't know. There's just so many options. And I just, I want to tell them like, make like a, that's all great. That's all great and maybe helpful information, but make like a simple version. Yeah, I got like, you. Or, or, like it's it's just, light. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, like, or something like just make it like simple, not so many buttons and options, and just you know, this is yeah. where I, this is where I am, and it's either public or private or whatever. Like, cut all the crap and just make like a. Right. I, mean, I mean, you can have both, but just make a. I don't just know. Don't put all those layers on there. Yeah. yeah, I don't need. I don't need a million layers. I don't. I don't even need to know. I mean, personally. I don't need zones. I don't care about that stuff. I'm not a deer hunter. Just right. like make us, I don't know, just like a simple version and, a, and the regular version. Go back ahead. when I used to be, back when I used to be a competition, I retired from competition hunting. Um, I used to do the world hunt, you know, and, and my buddy Carrie and I would go a whole new area. You know, these hunts were always in like totally different States, you know? So we'd go spend a week scouting, you know, for a one day hunt. and we would pick up land, we'd go scout it out, learn the road system, and then we'll start marking out our stands. Find a stand. Hey, this looks good. We could park here by this tree. It's a short walk to that, this nice ridge. We got a good opening right there. We'll call up a coyote here. Mark it on the mark it on my GPS. Mark it on my GPS. This is back for Onyx and all that. You know, this is on my Garmin, my Garmin one in my vehicle. And then we would go back to the hotel, upload those GPS coordinates and everything onto google earth to get the big picture and then you know and that worked out really good you can see well shit this stands too close to the prior stand or you know stand number four because the way the road bends that's too that's too close or hey we could fit another stand in between a number you know stand number 17 and 18 you know we could fit another stand there because that's a pretty good distance that we skipped so the next morning we'd go re-scout you know and figure that out and we would have it all mapped out both on the computer and on the GPS. And then we knew exactly competition morning, exactly where we're going to drive, exactly where we're going to park, where we're going to walk out to and boom, boom, boom for 30 stands. So that's where we, that's what we really, you know, of course it was $17,000 purse. So you use whatever you could, you know, technology to, to, to shortcut stuff. I just don't go to that. That's too much work. Now I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> now I just, now I'm just like, well, we're going to go to this pasture. You know, uh, we've got 50 sections to work with. We'll probably make about eight stands this morning on it. 
you know, I guess my head east because that feels right. <laughs> yeah, go with your gut. All right, so that's a little bit about, uh, you know, apps and technology and all that stuff. Tell me, uh, this is a little lower tech. Tell me about calibers. What are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, calibers? Ah, I'm a big fan and have been a big fan of 223 for a long time. Um, I got into 223s because the ammo was cheap. You know, when you're shooting, you're, when you're shooting a 22250 and the 223, the ammo was less than half the price, you know? Yeah. Well, now nowadays, the, the prices are back up to, you know, they're comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still use 223 quite a bit. Um, I've got I've got six, you know, I've got the newer stuff, you know, I've got 6.5 Creedmoor, I got 6 millimeter Creedmoor, 6 millimeter Arc. You know, that little heavier 243 type arena. Um, you know, my, my son-in-law, his Colin rifle is a 350 legend. He just loves it. Hmm. Um, it. Well, before that, it was a 17 a seventeen caliber, you know, which I felt was a little light. To me, it's always been the 223 seems to be just the right size. Not too big, not too small for coyotes. When I go to Texas and do did competition hunts, you know, and we would come in with a big basket full of pretty coyotes that look like you're ready to skin them for the fur market. And everybody else's is blown to pieces with their leg up over them, you know, yeah, twisted but, to the other side and, but, and, and a football size hole. And they're like, you don't do many competitions, do you? And I'm like, no, why? And they're like, you could tell because they're all shooting like seven mags and stuff, you know, big deer rifles. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we don't we don't. Yeah, we don't have coyotes run off. You know, we blow them in half, and that's just not me. And I've never really been a gun, even though I've got a significant collection of guns. I've never been a gun guy. A lot of guys really—that's what they focus on—is is the the gun part of it, you know, and the reload. And I was never that. I was just, you know, can I hit accurate at 100 yards? Yes, that's the gun I'm going to use. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I I'm stuck with the 243. You know, that's that's kind of mm-hmm. that's my caliber of choice. I I use the 223 for a while, but the thing about it is that where I hunt, it's uh, non-lead, and now the ah. and, and now and now the entire state is non-lead. So I think that might be part of the problem because I just didn't have a lot of luck with it, and I I think it it just it just wasn't causing enough damage. I think they were just kind of yeah. Crazy. I can understand that because you're you now you're have to worry about. You know, like those triple shock, all copper bullets and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, yeah, it probably doesn't have the foot pound energy. You know. Yeah. Like like a lead lead or a ballistic tip would do. Yeah, and I, I mean, if I could use V maxes, then sure, I probably would have more luck with it. And maybe they'll come up with a V max that's got a bismuth core or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they should because I I would I would try it for sure. So yeah, I love that two forty three though. It's just got a little extra oomph, and you know, I I don't know about you, but. I've seen them take some hits, man, and just oh, they, they got the strongest will to live. Oh, they of I mean, any animal I've ever hunted. I made a bad shot on a. I saw like a volunteer. We I call them volunteer. Mm-hmm. You know, just chilling on the side of the road. It wouldn't, but it wouldn't stop. It, like it slowed down, but it wouldn't stop. And I, I was just laid right. I was just laid there on the side of the road, and I took the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just out in some dirt field, you know. And it was. Uh-huh. It, it saw the truck, so it wasn't going to stop, and it was just trotting though. And I took it and I hit it kind of pretty far back. And it and I and it starts, it spins twice and just picks up and starts running. And I'm watching this thing in the scope and just watching it and watching. It. And this thing probably ran, I'm gonna say probably around 120, 140 yards. Mm. And it had, I mean, when I got over to and I saw it lay down and I thought, okay, it's probably done. So I go walking over there, turn off the truck, I go walking over there. When I found it, I mean, it had just, it was a mess, man. I mean, it, 
it, it, had, it, had, it had ran, I mean, all that way with its, and I knew it was messed up. Like I saw it in the scope, like I could see it was not having a good time, but I mean, it was drag, it was dragging its guts for over a hundred yards. It's crazy. And I'm thinking, man, if somebody shot me in the gut, I'd be laying on it with anything. I'd be laying yeah. on the ground crying and screaming for help. Exactly. I always say, yeah, humans, I mean, I've never, you know, of course, in war war movies, you know, you can't trust anything in that. But I think if a human got shot, even in the arm, they'd scream like a little bitch. Oh, yeah. Or like I said, a coyote. I've watched coyotes running and tripping over their own guts, you know. And it's just unbelievable will live. They they're they are tough critters. That's that's why I the when you see guys post on Facebook a lot about the 17 HMR. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that one at all. Seven, 17 HMR is like a rimfire. You know, it's like a next yeah. shot. I've had clients come with them, and I've had I've had one client um, shoot a coyote, and it just jumped and yipped and kept on running. Yeah. Um, and then and then he lost three bobcats that night too. Holy and I God. said I said let's go back to your deer camp and get your two two three. You know, because this is no fun, you know, and then he started anchoring animals. And then but then also I had a husband and wife out of Utah here. And I remember this one stand next to a dairy called this big, gorgeous, bushy male right up. I mean, it's like a scripted. He come from left to right. He stopped. He stopped right there by the collar and stood there for the longest freak of time staring at the collar. She had a chip shot at like 60 yards. And she shot it with that 17 HMR and he tipped over dead as a doornail. You know, I think it's got to be, it's all about shot placement <laughs> when it comes yeah. to that little pinhole. And I'm not, and I'm not saying it won't work. I couldn't, it will never work, but I just don't, I don't think it's enough gun personally. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a couple of them and they're great. I've shot a lot of little squirrels with them and, you know, but a squirrel is not a, is not a coyote. <laughs> That's my, no. I see that fairly often on the, you know, social media. And I'm just like, man, that is maybe if you have a perfect shot every single time, but. We're chasing. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've been shooting a six millimeter arc um, lately, and uh, I'm impressed with it. It's like a 243, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but I haven't seen it do anything magical above a 223. You know what I mean? You'll yeah. still get a spin. You'll still get a spinner before they fall over. You know, the only gun that I've ever seen clients use that just one wasn't so super destructive, like a 308 or something, you know, or a 338. Lapua, but it was a 220 Swift. It was like the hand of God. It didn't matter if that coyote was at 50 yards or 450 yards. It didn't matter. The two, the 220 Swift would kill a coyote like the hand of God killed and smacked it. Just whop, dead, instantly dead. Hmm. You know, the 220 okay. Swift. I've got and I've got one. I, I want to kill a coyote with it. But yeah, it's uh, not a popular round anymore. You know, like it used to be. I've heard of it. I don't know a lot about it. It's like a thirty out six neck down to twenty two point two. Okay, so it's probably moving pretty fast. Shitload of powder, known to burn the barrels out because they're so hot. Yeah, just all that powder coming down the, yeah. the coming down the throat. Yeah, exactly. And and it, and it's flying fast. You know, if I I don't know what two two three. Let's say if a two two three is flying at you know three thousand two twenty six is probably at forty five hundred. You know, yeah. kind of a deal. Yeah, just screaming. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Big fan, yeah. two, two, three. Two, two, three. So, unless you live in uh, my home state of California, check it out. Two, twenty-three. With a thirty-round clip. Yeah. With a, <laughs> well, yeah, that, that does that doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> <laughs> the old mag dump. All right, Tony. Well, I've taken a lot of your time, man, but I don't know if you maybe you could just shoot me a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, 
you've been to what about 10 states now in your in your uh your goal to call a coyote in every every state yeah i've been in uh like i want to say 11 11 what's been your what's been your favorite state so far as far as something something that just created a memory and you're like and it could be the scenery of it it could have been the sunset that you know i mean what was the one state that you're like this was really cool well, I would say um, probably my, I mean, honestly, one of my favorites would be uh, hunting New Mexico with you, because I, I know we called in a coyote on the very first stand. And I and I had never, tra- and as I, I've told you many times, I, you know, I had never traveled really to other states. I hadn't even been on a plane. So, so that, you know, just that whole thing was, was really like, a, it, it was, a you know, pushing the boundaries for me. And that was awesome. And, and, you know, you got a lot of, you got a lot of dogs out there. I would say my other favorite state is Montana. That That's Montana. That, Oh, that's, that's just beautiful up there. And there's just, there seems to be a lot of coyotes. Cause I called in, I didn't get them all killed, but you know, we called in quite a few. It was the first, well, actually you know, on that trip, I killed one in Utah first stand ever. And then I think in like the third stand in Montana and, was, and my wife was with me on that trip. My buddy had moved up there for a while and then left and came back home. Cause it was too cold. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, we went up there a few times and, uh, I don't know. I just loved it, man. It was just beautiful and lots of, you know, a fair amount of public land up there that we were able to track down. And, and my wife mm-hmm. was, and my wife was like super into it, you know, like I, I mean, I got a great video of the one in uh, the first one I killed in Montana and it was, well, we saw three and I, I turned on Denrade and two of them split and one of them came in and, like ran straight across us at, at like a hundred and then ran back and stopped. And I shot it and just the excitement in her voice, you know, it's on, She's a, it's a, she hates it. Cause she's, you know, she's like, yeah, <laughs> she, you know, she, and the camera's right in front of her. So it's all loud, you know, but yeah, just, you know, priceless memories and, and, and just great States, you know, to hunt in. So yeah, uh, I was going to say, I, I guided up in Utah one time and that mountainous scenery and then a coyotes, I couldn't get over the belly fur, you know, like how much fur they had on them. Like, Oh my God, they're yeah. beautiful. You know, because of they 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 have to to stay warm. You know, yeah. the coats were unbelievable. When I was in Canada, I saw a shitload of coyotes. It was springtime. You know, we weren't calling coyotes; we we're calling for wolves and bears. But I would love to go to Canada sometime because the coyotes I seen were huge, huge. You know, and numerous. I I do want to do that. I don't even know where to start with it though. That's uh, I, you got to get an outfitter. Simple yeah. as that. Like you have, like legally, you have to. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> yep. <laughs> huh. Well, I'll look into it. I'll look into that one of these days. I will tell you on the flip side. You said what are my favorites? Um, my least favorite is Arizona. Really? Oh man, I, you know, and it's funny because I I know a lot of guys have good luck there, but man, I I I mean, I did get one uh, this last year. I played one on your one nine hundred Coyote Sound, and it popped out of the brush line, but and that was it. My I shot one, and my buddy shot one. And I'd been there uh, multiple times. I, I mean, I went th- I went calling their solo once, didn't see a thing. I went with my son for like two and a half days. We didn't see anything, man. I mean, just. What I've always said about Arizona is Arizona, to me, um, has the highest coyote population in the country. But it also has the highest number of predator callers in the country. Yeah. You know, um, they've got, you know, they've got predator calling clubs like in phoenix you know Mm -hmm. um that have been around since the 1950s 
where yeah. guys get together monthly and then they have a team uh, club meeting and then they split up and they all go calling together. And you know, just a big promotion of the sport. We used to competition hunt in Arizona and you'd go to some podunk little town in the middle of freaking nowhere and say, all right, let's go scout this area. And you go to uh, the diner and ask about coyote hunting that. And they're like, well, good luck. We just had our county contest last weekend. They killed a shitload. You know, <laughs> it's like there's a coyote contest every freaking weekend in that state, you know. So yeah. I think you got you got a lot of coyotes, but you also have a lot of coyote hunters and then a lot of pressure Um, that, yeah, it is not it's not conducive it's of going in, you know. But then you got guys you know, like remember Jeff Nemnick and his partner, Dustin, they won the world competition there. They were down by the border, you know, by Tucson or something. And they killed like 30 some coyotes in a day and a half. I mean, they seem to have really good luck there. <laughs> yeah, I think the most we ever killed was seven coyotes in a day. In, in Arizona. Well, I could do that. I could do that here. Yeah. I mean, my buddy, you know, he he's talked to me a couple that was with me that time. I actually got one. You know, he was, we were marking the spots and he's like, yeah, yeah, we can come back and do this and do that. And I'm like, I'm like, honestly, man, I don't know if I ever want to hunt Arizona again. Like, <laughs> it's beautiful. And I'm sure that they're and that's And that sucks because that's your neighboring state. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that far away, but man, it is, I, you know, and I feel like Nevada is kind of the same way too. I mean, not as bad maybe, but there's a lot of, hmm. a lot of coyote hunters in, in Nevada too. So. Yeah, we used to hunt yep. Nevada in Elko, also popular. World Hunt used to be there. And we got on a private ranch and we did good. Um, but one year it snowed so much in Idaho that we couldn't get off the road. We normally would go on to uh, our trip in October. And then we'd said, you know, next year, let's try it in January. It's kind of warm. Let's, let's try a January hunt. Well, that was a mistake because the snow was so deep you couldn't get off the highway onto a two-track. You know, and that's where we would we would live on those two track roads for eight days, you know. So we what do you do? Well, shit, let's just keep driving south until we get out of the snow. We end up in all the way in Austin, Nevada, which is like central Nevada before okay. the snow was thin enough that you could get off. And we 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 ended up doing pretty good there because we were calling public land and then a rancher came and asked what we we're doing. You know, so we're going to get our ass chewed out, you know, and. Oh, you need to come and call dad, my daddy's ranch. Come on, let's go over there. So we headed over there and they had a big private ranch and a bunch of coyotes and it turned out to be pretty good. But until we happened to meet that rancher, you know, and her daddy owned a big ranch, um, it was, Nevada was kind of a sleeper state for us, you know, it wasn't doing that good, you know. Yeah, I think it's just, hunt, you know, a lot of it's just hunting pressure because I know they're around. All right, so maybe uh, maybe shoot me one more question if you if you can think of one. One more question. Would you rather? And this is just me personally asking you this one. Sure. Would Would you rather have the sun just coming up and slip into a slip into a nice little valley to call on a picturesque, perfect morning and call up a coyote and kill it, or roll a coyote from the helicopter? calling it up in the in the valley i mean that because okay. i both of them are adrenaline rush oh yeah, yeah. i mean that was definitely amazing and you know and i i may or may not do it again we'll see but yeah there's a, there's nothing that beats the calling them in okay yeah. i can see where you're i can see where you're coming from it because the sport of calling is actually you know and sometimes it takes people a few years to finally get to that point in their 
predator calling career to figure out that the real rush is about the calling, not the killing. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah. Just like we go, my wife and I treat ourselves to a helicopter hog hunt every spring. Okay. You know, once I get done with all my guides and all that, that's the one sport that her and I can go do, and we're not going to hike our asses off. And, you know, just it works. And yeah. it's with some friends of ours and that. Um, but after you've done it a couple of times, it's like you kind of been there, done that, and it's you, you check it off. You know, which is unlike calling coyotes. Unlike, you know, calling coyotes, you don't just say, yep, I've been there, I've done it, and yeah, I'm, I'm done, I'm ready to move on to something different. You know what I mean? Yeah, it never gets old. I mean, that's... Uh, exactly. That, that's that's exactly. part of the reason I've, like, dedicated my life to it, basically. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think the biggest thing, I, I mean, one of the things I love, and it's weird, like, when I... And I don't know why this is, but, like, sometimes, like, if it's, like, early season, I haven't done it, you know, in a while, I, I get this, like, sick... It's like a sick feeling in my stomach, like like the anticipation and the not knowing if anything's going to come and how many. And it, it's a, I mean, it wears off pretty quick, but it's like I sit down and my heart's racing, you know, and I haven't, and I haven't even done anything yet. I'm just nice, you know. That's that, excellent. And yeah. I would assume that that's how a fighter feels like a boxer when he's yeah. getting into the ring on his next match, you know, the yeah. anticipation of it. I mean, it's preparation. It's it's a very weird feeling, and I you know, and I wouldn't trade that for all the helicopter hunts in the world, you know, personally. Good. That I mean, that was cool. I think I might if I ever do it again. I think I'll do it like in the fall. The guy the guy said we might get on like twenty in the fall. Okay. So maybe. See now, see now, I know plenty of guys who would answer it the opposite way. They would have said the helicopter hunt because there's a lot of guys who focus success based on the kill. Yeah, and I, yeah. And, I do, and I do to a certain degree. You know, I, I kind of keep track of my numbers of kills and all that nonsense, but that's all part of it for me. But just being out and being, it's like me in the open road in my truck and that's it. Mm-hmm. And and then never knowing. I might kill, I might kill one, I might kill nine, I might kill none, you know, but it's it's just being out there. You can't, there's nothing like it for me, you know, and that's. Yeah, some, I, somebody was taught. Somebody was talking to me one time, now that you mentioned that, about, you know, wouldn't it be really cool if they had a weather type app or an uh, animal movement app that could tell you if you're going to have a great day of calling or not? And I said, I don't think I would want one. You know what I mean? It'd be like a client showing up and saying, hey, I'm so excited. You know, I'm finally here. How do you think we're going to do today? Oh, it's going to suck today. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't want that. Total buzzkill. Exactly. I want the, I want the unknown, you know, and that's, that's a great part about further calling is it goes from zero to 60. It's nothing, nothing, nothing. And it may be like two or three stands like that. Zero, 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 zero. Boom. You know, Kyle, boom, next stand, another Kyle, boom, another Kyle, you know, yeah. um, that's the rush of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I'd rather not know, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if someone asking you, Hey, if you could, if you could, if you do the day you're going to die, would you want to know? Hell no, I don't want to know what day I'm going to die. No, <laughs> you know, no, because that's all you'd focus on, you know. And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm with you, you know, and I and I do have those days where it's like, you know, maybe I do four or five stands, I'm up, and I don't see anything, and then all of a sudden it's just like bang. I would always tell, I've always told people that it, it actually can be kind of boring until it isn't. Huh? Like yeah, like you said, zero to sixty. And, and I think that actually works against me personally. Like if I'm not seeing anything for a few stands and, you know, maybe I'm 10 minutes into the 
sixth one and I'm thinking, now oh, this is bullshit. Nothing's coming. And then all of a sudden, bang, there's three of them <laughs> you know, right there. And it's uh, kind of, kind of works, well, against, works against me a little bit. I think, you know, we, we, we've got the luxury of having, you know, this calling areas so close to us, you know, if I wanted to, I could walk around the street to our calling kind of if I wanted to, you know, kind of a deal. So my son-in-law, when we would go do our personal hunting, we'd go out on a morning or whatever. And if we make four blank stands, we just go home. The coyotes aren't turned on. Simple as that. Because we have the luxury of trying it again tomorrow kind of a deal. But in life, by living like that, usually when him and I go calling, we'll call coyotes on every stand or every other stand. Mm-hmm. You know, or or blank stands and we're, and we're not going to do any more hunting today because they're not turned on. You know, you know, and, and, and after a while you realize that, you know, because you know, I get really down on myself. You know, my wife is my best cheerleader on saying, hey, you can't control. You just worry about the things you can control. You can't control the coyotes. You know, and there are some days that coyotes are running you over. There's some days they're not moving. Yeah. You know, and you, and, you, and you come to that realization after a while that, you know, once you blow that first sound, you, you know, on a hand caller or an e-caller or whatever, mm-hmm. after that, all that preparation, everything you did, is in your control. Everything else is up to the coyotes, you know? Yeah. And there's going to be some days that are great and some days that are boring as hell. And that's just the way it is. For me, it's a fine line. You know, I have to go when I can, you know, I've worked, mm-hmm. I work a Monday through Friday job for the most part. And you, and you know, hope to God they're turned on on Saturday or Sunday. So I, I will tend to grind it out, you know, like I, especially if I'm having a real crap day, like I'll just, I get stuck in that, you know, just one more stand, one more stand. I just want to get one. Or see one, yeah. at least see something, and yeah. But there's to me, there's a line between grinding it out and just killing yourself for nothing. Like, yeah, you know. Usually, usually I hit that point. I'm like, okay, this is this is ridiculous. I should save these spots and call them on a better day. <laughs> I yeah, know. and I and I've seen coyotes where coyotes were turned on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Bam, bam, bam. Each day was just as good as the next, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they're shut off. You know. Yeah. So if you're a weekend, if you're a weekend caller, you go calling, you're like Saturday and Sunday, both days. And you're like, well, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that three days prior, they were running around everywhere. Yeah. Turned on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, do you ever pay a lot of attention to like barometric pressure and all that? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I used to keep track of it and then it kind of became a chore and yeah, it wasn't fun to be in, but yeah, it, it, it's, if the if the barometer is rising or falling, preferably rising, that's when all animal movement seems to be happening, and the coyote calling is good. Yeah, you know, if it's just sitting dead still and it's a bluebird sunny day, calling's gonna be a little slower. You know what I mean? Yeah, or a lot slower. You know, I used I used to years ago I used to keep track of all that moon phases and all that stuff, and I I didn't really I mean I know that it does affect them, but I just go when I can. It, that's my biggest advice to give yeah. people is, you know, go hunting when you can. It, it's simple as that. I, I actually kind of have a saying that I have to tell myself from time to time. I just, it's go when you can, and they're either there or they're not, and they're either going to come or they don't. It's a little oversimplified maybe, but. No, that's it's a, no different than, it's no different than when you go to a casino and you play in a slot machine. You go when you can, you spend what you can, and it may happen or may not. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's the same, yeah, same thing. And and I think it also, I mean, for me personally, it kind of goes back to what you were saying 
on the previous episode about them being reactionary. I, I, I do believe that if they're there and they're, and they are triggered, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. they, they will, they will come. It doesn't matter what the barometric pressure is or what the moon phase was that previous night. That's just, just got done raining or something. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like if they're there and they're, they, you know, they get their trigger trip, then they will come on in. That, I mean, that's just, my, that's just kind of one of my philosophies. So. When I was younger, when I, whenever I was younger, I was pretty cocky and I felt if there's a coyote in the area, I'm going to call him up. Simple as that. You know, I was confident as hell, you know, and, and one of my clients said, man, when you go to every stand, you, you really think you're going to call up a coyote, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, well, why would I call this stand if I didn't, <laughs> you know? Confidence. That's uh... You got to have, co- yeah, you got to have confidence. If you do go in there with no confidence, then oh, hell. What's the point of even doing it in the first place? I agree. Well, I am uh, confident that I have taken up too much of your time these last uh, few nights. So um, no I'm, I'm just going to ask if just if you have any final thoughts on helping the listeners succeed. If you have maybe just one final thought to throw out. Hmm. I guess I, I guess my only final thought or, or advice is to, you know, enjoy the sport. Enjoy it. You know, that that you're calling up predators and you kill them and don't compare yourself with others. You know, with social media, there is so much that you could get down on. Like, well, some bitch, this guy here is killing, you know, X, Y, or Z. Thermal scopes have made everyone look really good. You know what I mean? I, I, I see posts for guys from Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, it doesn't matter where, that kill more coyotes in one night than they used to kill an entire season for day hunters. You know what I mean? So don't compare, you know, what you're trying to do in Alabama. isn't going to compare to this guy in North Dakota with a pickup truckload of coyotes. You know what I mean? The big thing is just enjoy the sport. Calling up a coyote, you know, if I lived in Florida, I would be more than happy if all I killed was a coyote all weekend. Whereas if you lived in somewhere else, let's say Arizona, they may not be happy until... They've killed 12 coyotes in a day. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just social media makes it so much different than it used to be. You know, um, I was just as happy when I lived in Illinois and killed 25 coyotes a year than I was when I moved to the West and killed 250 coyotes a year. It's just, I don't know. Don't compare yourself to others, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so enjoy the sport and don't compare yourself to others. I like that. We all could use that advice, even even me at times. Oh, me too. Oh yeah, me too. You know, I'll yeah. see guys in Texas, and I just get done guiding a guy, and and he killed three coyotes a day all day. And then there's a dude in Texas that's killed. Hey, we killed sixty this weekend. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, what the heck? No. You know, sixty. Good God, I don't even bring enough bullets to shoot sixty in a weekend. <laughs> right, but you know, I got to look at. It. I can't compare myself. They got, yeah. you yeah. know, they they have ranch. They probably have a ranch that's just got a bunch of really naive dumb coyotes that you can just lip squeak right up to your truck door you know what i mean oh yeah while you're in the truck so you just can't you can't you can't compare but in social media hero photos it it all looks the same but it ain't the same you know everybody's different everyone's got different areas and styles and and just numbers and just coyote numbers in general exactly right Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, you know, I I enjoy what I do and I feel like I'm pretty good for my area. Kind, of, you know, I'm really like not to the extent that you are, but you know, like I'm that guy. I'm that guy. You know, like I like I'm I'm known for it now. 
you know, I, I went, there you go. I went to a birthday party uh, for a, a lady I used to work with. She turned 70 and her son-in-law was like, um, I had met him once like a million years ago, but really nice guy. And he, he's like, Oh wait, he's like, Russell, you're the, you're the coyote guy. Right. I'm like, yeah. And he was just talking to me about it and all this. Asking questions <laughs> and, and, it, and it felt good. Like I didn't really felt like, yeah, I know. Jack, I know exactly what you mean. Like in here in, in my hometown in New Mexico, you know, nation nationwide, I'm known as Tony Tebby with the TT signature sounds, you know, or, you know, or Tony Tubby, the predator hunting guide. Yeah. Around here, I'm I'm just, hey, you're the coyote hunter. Yeah. I introduce myself on the phone as that. You know, when I'm talking to a rancher, hi, I'm Tony Tubby, I'm the coyote hunter. You know, just, and, and my goal is to help others be the coyote hunter in their county. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, I'm, I probably never get there as much as you, but but I'm trying. <laughs> I try every day, you know, and I'm starting to, and I'm starting to slowly like pick up more properties, you know, that kind of that word of mouth thing's slowly, mm-hmm. slowly building. You know, Tony, uh, well, I'm going to, I think we should probably get going. I know you need to get back. Right, man. You need to get back to your family. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I'm going to tell you that I think I'm a better person and a better coyote hunter for, for knowing you. I just want to, I want to thank you for your, you know, your friendship and, and all your help with the coyotes and everything else. Um, it's, it's crazy how solid friendships can be made over coyote hunting, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, you and I've had, you and I've had some serious heart to heart talks. While coyote hunting. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I consider you a, a friend and a brother, man. And I and I would yes, do I do anything for you. You know, if you same here. It's a little hard because I'm 16 hours away, but but I would do anything I could for you. I really appreciate your time and coming on the podcast. All right, I'm really enjoying your podcast. You know, keep it up. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll I'll let you know when this one's coming out. So that's it for uh, our my talk with Tony Tebby, the man, the myth, the legend. You know, that's what I that's what I said when you first called me. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah that's how i introduce myself to women <laughs> oh yeah don't let don't, don't let your wife don't let your wife listen to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> she would just roll her eyes at me <laughs> yeah. hey and you tell crystal uh give her my best and tell her thank you for and tell her please tell her thank you for letting me take up so much of your guys's time all right sounds good i all appreciate right. you russ yeah you too man take thank care. you you too bye-bye bye-bye